It is Monday the 23rd of March, uh, it's been uh, 12 days since the World Health Organization declared a pandemic in response to the growth of COVID-19, a highly infectious and for quite deadly version of coronavirus. And I'm just recording day by day, thinking about the decisions that people make in their lives when they are trying to come up with solutions uh, but have a lack of reliable information about how to do it and where they find making predictions uh, quite difficult. And one of the decisions instead of decisions that I've been kind of wrestling with today kind of crept up on me a little bit is how do you explain coronavirus and this weird thing to a two-year-old? Uh, so my daughter Kira is two, nearly three, she'll be three in April and we're not at end of April, we're about a month away from her birthday. And uh, she's sharp as a tack and um, understands a lot of language, asks a lot of questions, um, absorbs like a sponge. And a couple of days ago, um, she just kind of said to me really sadly, are we going to go outside today? And it occurred to me at that point that she had very much noticed um, after a few days that she wasn't at nursery that, we, that I wasn't taking her to the park because any day that I'm not at work I would always take her to the park or somewhere else and she would always get out somewhere and she knew that we were going to the garden but it was wet and miserable outside and uh, she noticed that she hadn't been to the park so she was asking me about it and I know that the social distancing thing is becoming increasingly important in fact I'm kind of anticipating uh, tonight that they will uh, have an effective lockdown, probably. They might even close the schools, although that's unlikely. But I expect there'll be an announcement of, of further uh, lockdown measures and uh, withdrawal of, of some civil liberties, like being allowed to congregate or being allowed to uh, travel across the country. So um, I walked her up and down the street, basically, and in doing so, we had a little talk about what coronavirus is. And I was quite surprised at how much she could absorb, although her ability to recall it later was was quite limited. Um, and that interests me, because um, not just because I'm a parent, but because I'm a teacher and I'm a psychology teacher at that, um, along with teaching history, I teach psychology. Uh, and, and I really miss teaching those things and being with students and watching their little brains work, see those cogs moving. Um, one thing that I've learned uh, in teaching in the eight years that I've been doing it is that it's really important that you teach to stage not age and what that means is that you uh, you teach children so that you are just drawing them out of their comfort zone at whatever stage of learning they're at um, it's called the zone of proximal development you're basically just kind of keeping them slightly challenged all of the time but holding their hand and letting them go and holding their hand and letting them go as they as they go through that journey of learning um, but I've also learned that it's never too early to introduce students to concepts and um, uh, there's a, a, a famous psychologist um, uh, an educational theorist called Piaget um, who talks about stages of development and he argued that uh, children really until they're about the age of 11 struggle to grasp 
concepts and abstract things. That is, they struggle to deal with ideas of things that can't be seen or touched. So they have difficulty talking about, say, um, uh, abstract uh, ideas like time, uh, tomorrow, or uh, next year. Or they have um, difficulty with um, uh, ideas like um, discipline, or modernism, or uh, uh, generosity. Like they, they struggle to understand concepts that are broad like that. Um, but much, much younger children can usually understand concepts in the sense that they apply to them very directly at that time. And so, um, you know, I, I took some 10 year olds and they were learning about the Romans. And they've been learning this course for many years about the Romans. I'm just drinking some coffee here. Um, learning about the Romans and all of the courses that are taught to young children about the Romans kind of idolize the imperialist history of the Romans, the, the gladiators, the Roman legionnaires, um, the, the testudo, the, um, the fighting military tactics and so on. And I'd been reading a book at the time called Apocalypse, it's a fantastic book, um, which was about the siege of Jerusalem uh, and and the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and the, um, the treasures of the ancient Jewish world. And uh, I, I wanted to teach those students about, you know, a, a different way of looking at, a way of looking at uh, Roman history as um, from an anti-imperialist standpoint. And I was really impressed at how the learning for them came alive when we looked at it that way and where we were more critical. Um, similarly, you know, teaching um, teaching that age group, um, sort of 10, 11 year olds, um, about Edward Said and Orientalism. I took a group of um, students to uh, the, uh, the Welcome uh, Gallery and uh, the Welcome Collection. And we met there with a PhD student from Palestine who talked about the um, the seizure of um, of cult cultural heritage and artifacts from around the world and students who are very young they can understand things that are conceptual and quite difficult as long as they have um, a framework in which to understand it. Piaget calls it a schema. Um, so I'm trying to like apply all of these things and and really like as a parent um, I'm trying to think about the ways that I talk to my child about something that's actually scary and something that I'm finding quite scary and basically every adult I know is kind of terrified of and with every day that goes by we sort of realize that that even the day before we weren't taking it seriously enough. Kira, can you tell me what coronavirus is? Who are you calling? You're calling the doctor for mommy? That's very good of you. Hello, doctor. I'm there for mommy. Mommy is sick. Mommy's not feeling well. Mommy is sick. You need to give him some medicine. Okay. Bye. Bye for now. So, um, I've had a conversation with her and there's a couple of things that I want her to understand. I want her to understand that the reason why she can't do the things she wants to do is because there's this thing called coronavirus, which is preventing us from being able to go outside and go to the park so that she understands that it's not just an arbitrary thing, but that there's a reason behind and a logic behind um, her confinement to the house and garden. 
so that's one thing. Um, I also want her to understand a little bit about the basics of um, the application of hygiene. So a couple of weeks ago I noticed that when she stood up on the little um, plastic step that we have for her in the bathroom to wash her hands, that um, she was like humming happy birthday to herself, because uh, obviously at nursery they'd been taught to sing happy birthday twice as they washed their hands. Um, we've been busy teaching her to um, wash hands to NHF's, NHS standards, um, including for example um, washing your wrists and doing rotation of thumbs and stuff. And she loves doing that and she shows me and she says like this. So she's understood a lot about Increasingly she understands the link between the word coronavirus and sick and cough and she tells me that mummy is sick. So she gets that. This is lots of practical ways she does understand it. So why is this a difficult decision? Well, the the flip side of it is that we also don't want to give her fear and we don't want to give her unnecessary anxiousness about it. And in particular, give her like a complex about it. And I imagine that there'll be a lot of kids of particular age group who will find this in later life will be a bit of a weird memory. It's as if um, it's kind of colored their memories um, and the normal experiences and normal routines of life have been so abruptly broken that it will be really confusing and disorientating for them. And Kira's maybe a little bit small for that to happen because life for her is still very domestic and, and is centered very much around her parents. She's still at that very egocentric phase. Like I say, the thing that I've, that I've learned in education is that it's never too early to talk to students and kids, your own kids that included, about anything and everything. Um, that there are no subjects that are off limits for them and there are no uh, concepts that you can't begin to introduce them to and so that's something I want to do uh, but without without the fear so thinking carefully about the language that we use not using the language of panic and fear but using the language of um, concern and planning and preparation and precaution and and the management of risk these are important things that kids need the way the children learn is to is to maintain their routine and sense of security and allow them to take risks in ways that are um, that are safest in order to build up their confidence and that thing then allows them to take more serious risks in the future. Forcing fear and risk on kids is always counterproductive. It's not a good learning method. It's not a legitimate learning technique. Uh, not, not because it's necessarily um, psychologically scarring, uh, but because it's completely ineffective and it doesn't build the kind of um, structure and scaffold on which further learning is then built. So that's that. Um, I think I'm acutely aware of this because uh, when I was seven years old I listened intently one day at school to the story of the Passover um, which is an incredible um, piece of literature even if you're not into religion uh, and I'm interested kind of in both and in that story um, the angel of death flies over Egypt and passes over the um, the, fam the Jewish families who have marked their doors with uh, blood sacrifice and the angel of death kills the firstborn um, son of the Egyptians and fascinating story 
incredible story and I remember that day I went home and I was out playing football with some of my friends and there's some older kids there and they began to tell me just to put the fear of God in me that the angel of death was coming that night and told me all the things I had to do and I knew that they were joking obviously but they just went on and on about it and when I went home I was so terrified by it all that I literally like for years afterwards was like couldn't sleep um had terrible fear of like um, ghosts and devils and the undead and just all sorts of stuff and it really like it really affected me for a long long time and we need to be very conscious that when you tell kids scary stories bad things can happen uh, and things can get out of control uh, so I'm, I'm thinking about that and I want to make sure that Kira understands this quite scary and terrible thing um, and that she learns to deal with it from a young age uh, but also that we just don't put the shits over because that's completely unnecessary. So, where are we going to go? To the playground. I don't think we can go to the playground here. Do you know why? Yes. Do you know why we can't go to the playground? Yes. Why? Um, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to try to explain it to you, but you might not understand, okay? You need to go to the real playground. Okay. That will make me happy. But we can't go to the pretend playground. That made me sad. Yeah, we're not going to go to a pretend playground. I would like us to go to a real playground, but there's a problem with that. What's the problem with it? Why can we not go to the real playground? Ah, I made it for you and me. Yeah. I went all over Ella again. There's the little bit of slide and the little bit of water slide. I want to do one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, why do we not go to the playground? We can't, we can't go to the tennis playground. We go to the real, real playground. But is the playground clean? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Turn around. So you know there's a lot of people here sick. Do you know what they're sick with? Yes. What are they sick with? Uh, no, they're not sick with the slide. They're sick with coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yes. Yuck. Yuck. I don't like Nobody likes coronavirus, Kira. But the problem is, look at me. The problem is, sometimes coronavirus can live on metal. Metal. Yes. Oh, that's dangerous. Metal can be dangerous. Yeah. And if the, if the virus is living on the metal, and then you slide on the metal, come here. What would that mean? Oh, Daddy, we need to push the pan and get a putty in it. Do you need to use the potty? Yes. Well, we better take you home then, yeah. So I'm going to finish up by just repeating the mantra. Uh, we are human beings, the most successful species, and it's a piece of RNA, and we have to beat it. <laughs>